Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. And today you get to hear a story about divine intervention that created a wonderful rippling effect of good things, in my opinion, for many people. Joining us in studio is Leah Cox. She's a living organ donor, and she's joining us today to share how she was the missing link to a multi-person donor swap, which is just mind-blowing, Leah, how it kind (laughs) of all came together. But welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, so you are four weeks post-op. That's correct. And I asked you if you felt like you were missing anything, (laughs) and you said no. Absolutely not. And that would be a kidney, by the way. I didn't mention a living organ donor, a kidney donor. Okay, Leah, I've known you for a while, and I recognize that you had the personality that would absolutely jump in and help anyone mm-hmm. in, in a minute but giving of a of a organ to mm-hmm. I wouldn't say a, even a stranger but then also to just maybe a, an acquaintance is a tall task that's more than right. just picking up lunch or whatever it may be for somebody so how do we get here how do we get to this point where you were the missing link to then start this chain of events for so many other people when it comes to yeah. organ donation. Yeah. Well, we are Madison County residents. My kids go to school at Madison Ridgeland Academy. And um, we came to MRA back in August of 2021. And it was at the first football game that we sat in as Patriots. And we were sitting with some friends, and that friend said, you would never guess that our head coach was as sick as he is. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, well, he needs a kidney. And um, said that he's been waiting for a couple years. And at that moment, it just kind of pricked my heart. And I says, wow, I mean, somebody needs to give him a kidney. But as time goes on, and you see him around campus, and so as the year went on, the next year, there was maybe one other football game that year that he was sick and um, didn't feel great. He was kind of sitting down throughout the football game. Well, then roll you come forward to August of this year, of 2023, um, he got very ill. And I didn't honestly, until UMMC posted the article, I didn't realize like even his mindset through that was that he really thought he was going to die. And so the administrative staff of MRA put out an email to our families that said, hey, this is the situation. It's dire and we need to be, you know, on our faces praying for the health of Coach Davis. Um, And it was at that moment that my husband and I kind of just looked at each other and said, why not us? You know, we both have we're both healthy. We both have two kidneys. Obviously, the Lord gave us two kidneys for a reason. Um, Why not us? And um, at that point in time, UMMC had put out some more information. I had reached out to Coach Davis's family 
So they were actively tra- trying to find him a living donor match at the time. Yes. Well, um, yeah, I think it was just at that point in time, you know, he firmly believes he's like, I think the reason why I got so sick is because it brought awareness to the need. Um, and so when it was that bad, um, they were like, somebody's got to come forward to uh, help him. And um, and so, you know, I reached out to his family, spoke to our headmaster at the school, and then I was placed in contact with the um, transplant coordinator at UMC and she gave me all the the task of things that had to be done before you could even be seen and um, just started going down that checklist of paperwork and some cancer screenings that I had to have done and submitted all my paperwork and then it was just kind of a waiting game. From that point, Leah, are you now like in a system of potential donors for other people or is it just sort of a one way street because you've chosen Coach Davis is kind of like, you know, you're trying to see if you would be a fit for him? Yes. So um, my contact to UMC was, hey, I'm considering being a donor for Coach Davis. And now there is a there is a national registry. There is there are people that come forward as donors that don't have anybody in the registry and don't have any friends. And or they just feel led. Yes. And um, so when I contacted them and said I need to find out if I'm a match for Coach Davis and um, and so that's kind of how the process started you know going forward they through the next several weeks they had um, a lot of people come forward to to see if they also were a match and I think UMC kind of train changed their um, process because they typically take a patient from start to finish with all the testing and everything to say yes or no but it's a lengthy process so then they started to having to do some preliminary lab work to see and kind of weed you out yeah, and kind of weed out so um, I was contacted to come in and do some of that lab work and then I was contacted again that said hey you're you know one of the four people that we're looking at um, so I continue to do more lab work um, never seen that many t- uh, test tubes in my life but um, I um, continued to do some more lab work, and then I finally got the phone call on um, a Wednesday that said I was his match. At this point, does Coach Davis and his family know that there's maybe four potentials, or do they kind of keep it where, not in the hush, but it's like you don't want to give someone false hope if, like, nobody becomes a match? I mean, or were you in contact with them at all during this time? I was in contact with Coach Davis's wife. Um, I'd met his daughters and spoken with Coach Davis a little bit about it, um, kind of early September. And then as it progressed, and it was me and two or three others that were going through lab work, I just... Just with HIPAA and things like that, there's only so much they can reveal to the recipients and donors. And so um, after my appointment, I contacted his wife and said, I'm not real sure how much they can let you guys know. But just to give you a sense of hope, this is what we're facing and this is what I know is going on. And um, she did know that there were several that they were working with, which was a greater hope than they've ever experienced in the four-year journey. Prior to this, Leah, you mentioned you and your husband were both like, why not us? Which Mm -hmm. I think that's a courageous statement to begin with. Did you know anybody else who had been a living donor? Like, is this completely, you know, fresh water for you guys? It was a foreign, total foreign thought. You know, I've, you know, you see things on your driver's license about being an organ donor. And, um, and I didn't even know where to start. You know, I had to, I contacted a friend of mine that worked for more and she's like, well, that's a little bit different. Living donor, what I do is totally different. (laughs) You Um, don't want to be over here. Um, but no, it was a, I'm never even, never even thought about it. You know, um, did you have questions? You know, it honestly, from start to finish was the most peaceful journey I've ever had. And I've, I've had lots of journeys in my life, but this was the most peaceful, 
um, journey I've ever taken. It was one of those things where I was just like, okay, we're going forward with this. We're going to do this. And um, there were some things that I, probably the main question for me was what's my quality of life going to be like afterwards? What are things that I'm going to have to give up? And the main thing is like contact sports. And I'm like, I'm 48. I'm not contact sporting anything. And um, But, you know, as an active life I live an active lifestyle, and I just wanted to make sure that, hey, can I continue to run? Can I continue to, if I ever want to do another triathlon, can I do that? Um, and they were can like, I have a glass of wine. Um, yes, but it's maybe not today. Not but like, today, but <laughs> maybe I can. I think I'm a little scared right now just because I'm like, oh, how's my body going to process? Selfish? I would completely ask that. I'm not saying it would keep me from doing like, it, but I would want to know. Oh, I Googled it. I mean, trust me. <laughs> but um, yes, I mean, so I'm just following the rules right now of things that I need to do post-op and once I'm released there I mean I do have questions you know going forward um what what's next but um yeah I mean it was just one of those things where like I'm not backing down and I had told coach Davis I guess it was homecoming week for us at MRA and um he had been honored as our homecoming hero and I told him afterwards it was a very emotional day for all everybody staff you know his family and everything and I said just to know that I want you to know that I'm going forward with finding out if I'm a match for you. And if I'm not, then hopefully the me going forward and the bravery in doing that might spur someone else on to do this. And I, at that point in time, I didn't really even know about a donor swap or what all that meant. But I was just like, you know, if I'm not your match, then we're going to make sure we find somebody for you. Where, where were you when you got the phone call, Leah? I was at home. Um, I was at home by myself. It was probably mid-afternoon. My husband literally had just pulled out of the driveway, headed to Illinois to go hunt for 12 days. So the next several days after finding out I was a match, I had to navigate through all of those decisions and questions and everything, dealing with him in very spotty cell service area. <laughs> so, um, But, yeah, I was at home when I got the phone call. Was it a re- the emotion excitement really it was it was excitement just to know that um knowing that i was a match and knowing that hey barring anything you know post like getting some more lab work done making sure nothing else was missing um that he's he's getting a kidney and so I was really excited. I mean, there is never, I don't ask my husband what ha, what he felt like at that moment. <laughs> it was more of a little um, shock for him. Um, not that he was fearful and not that we were not on the same page with our decision, but it was just like, wow, I'm offering What's up my... What's the odds of you being a match? You, you know, know what? I don't know. And I need to find that out because... Because um, others come forward and then they're not a match. But Leah, you were a match for Coach, Coach Davis, but that's not where this good story ends. we got so much more to share coming up next. No such person, no such soul. This time I'm gonna take it myself and put it right in her hand. And if it comes back the very next day, then I'll understand. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app, if you got it, and two on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. But you can find us, too, on Supertalk TV on your computer or your mobile device. You'll see I'm not alone. We're continuing our conversation with Leah Cox. She is a living kidney donor or an organ donor, but it was a kidney. And she is telling us of her brave story of how she was literally the missing link or your kidney was for Coach Davis, the beloved coach there at MRA that was um, battling kidney disease. But that's not where the story ended. You would think that we would wrap this up and tie it in a bow, Leah, and it's like, <laughs> you know, Coach Davis got my kidney. We all went home and celebrated. And you did all go home and celebrate. Right. But there was a big, uh, you know, series of events that happened next. So yes. you t- you sort of share how it all started to snowball. Right. Well, like I said, I got the phone call on a Wednesday um, that I was a match and they gave me some instructions over the next couple of days, some things that I needed to do and that I had an appointment on Monday to come in and do some more lab work. And so I just thought I was going to the lab at the um, transplant center. And after they drew labs, they're like, hey, we've got one of the doctors that want to speak to you. We're going to go ahead and put you in a room. And I was like, okay, well, I was introduced to the nephrologist, Dr. Biatla, and he came in and was just very gracious and was like, we're so excited that we are finding a kidney for Coach Davis. Um, so, but I really want to talk to you about um, something bigger. And I was like, okay. He said, have you ever put a puzzle together? I was like, absolutely. He said, have you ever gotten to the end of that puzzle and you're missing that one piece and you've looked everywhere for it and you cannot find it? And I was like, absolutely. He said, well, you're kind of a missing puzzle piece for us. And I was like, what does that mean? And he asked me if I was familiar with the donor swap or kidney transfer program. And I said, yes, I've done some research and read some things about it. He said, well, we have within our database um, seven that are in the process or, or in need of a kidney transplant. And if you and Coach Davis would consider taking part in a donor swap, he said, although you are his match, you're coming forward as his donor, there are six others that are in need of a transplant. They have donors, but their donors do not match them. And I was like, okay. He said, but if you come forward and you decide to do the donor swap, you're that muscle missing puzzle piece, and all seven will get a kidney transplant. What was the weight of that responsibility? Well, that morning I was at a um, college tour with my oldest son, and I literally um, knew I had this appointment that afternoon and prayed literally all morning, God, if this is not for me, if this is not the journey for me, I know there's some other people that have come forward for Coach Davis, if this is not for me, just close the door. So I go into this appointment. And I'm thinking I'm going to talk to the doctor about my transplant for Coach Davis, and he tells me this. And I'm like, Lord, you didn't close the door. You opened every door and every window for me. And um, so there was a like there was peace there knowing, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. But then at the same time, I was like, wow, seven lives versus just one. And then the my question immediately was, hey, how can you guarantee me that the one person that I'm coming forward for is going to get a kidney if he's not getting mine? Because I was his match. Because they all had to end up being matched. Like, it's a big, now it is a big puzzle. It is. Like, I mean, and then it it's. Is. Yeah. And it um, it started with two altruistic donors, and altruistic donors are people that come forward to say, hey, I want to donate a kidney, and they don't necessarily have a friend or a family member that's involved or on the list 
to have a kidney transplant. They are just people that are coming forward to say, I've got two kidneys, and I'll give somebody one of mine, kind of like first come, first serve type thing. And so, they're the, I know. <laughs> and so they're the ones that really started the whole puzzle. And so they created their, their you know, their, they match this person, this person matches that person. And then it's like, okay, well, this person's donor matches another person. So there's this whole puzzle piece, and they just needed one more person um, that matched Coach Davis or, you know, that matched him, but also I matched somebody, the, else. somebody else. And when I and Coach Davis agreed to do in the donor swap, then it it all fell into place. And they were and that's when they looked at me and they said, if you do this, no pressure. I was like, oh, no, none taken. But they're like, no pressure, but you could help save seven lives with instead of just one. So was it a no-brainer? It was a no-brainer. Yeah. So the next step, I mean, do you, now I'm like, this is like a movie scene. Do you all get wheeled in at once? Like all 14 right, of you? Right. Like, yeah. I mean, well, they um, they were like, the only problem is the surgery is December 11th. Well, that was a big kind of shock for me because this was beginning of November, I guess, um, maybe first or second week of November. Um, I am the host of all things for my family. Um, so I'm like, OK, this is going to affect Christmas. And thank goodness my my kids are older and I'm not worried about, you know, toddlers that I'm having to create the magic of Christmas for them. But um, I had to discuss it with my family, like even my extended family. And uh, I was like, Christmas is going to look a little different this year. I'm going to be five days post-surgery. Who could say, <laughs> no, you can't save seven lives at Christmas because we need our pecan pie right, on this you're right. weekend. You're, you sound just like my sister. Yes, um, that's exactly about what she said. She was like, are you really asking if it's okay if you do this? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so um, it was set up to where the week of December 11th, um, so that's a Monday through a Thursday, they had um, 14 surgeries over those four days. So two, three days had four surgeries, and then one day had just two surgeries. And so the day of our surgery, it was me and my recipient, Coach Davis, and his um, donor that morning. And so it was an all-day, you know, I think I got out of recovery around 1 o'clock that afternoon. Do you get to meet your new recipient? Because this is a stranger for you. Yes. Um, well, it's not. we're not supposed to. Um, it. It's typically after surgery that they allow the donor and the recipient to meet, although they had us getting there all at the same time, which was a little confusing for me. Um, but they don't really want you talking to people. They don't want you talking, like especially if you were coming in to have lab work done in the transplant center at UMC. They don't really want you saying, hey, are you part of this? Are you part of this? And there are times I've sat in there and like, are you getting my kidney or are you getting my kidney? Um, but, it, um, you know, so I found out actually before um, my surgery, who my recipient was going to be, mainly because MRA on Thursday prior to surgery posted, um, put out a sign-up genius for our MRA families to pray every five minutes all day on Monday. And so they revealed to the school that Coach Davis was finally getting a kidney and his donor was an MRA parent and had my name while I had another MRA parent call me. And she said, um very interested in all of this she said i know how it all works but my uncle is getting a kidney at 5 30 on monday morning I said, What's well, the odds? I <laughs> and i said well if that's the case then if i've I'm, i don't think i've misunderstood anything that means he's getting my kidney and she was like well you actually know him his wife graduated dental school a year ahead what? of your husband and i was like oh wow and you know it was just another sign for me and my husband of just confirmation to say this is what we're supposed to be doing and it also brings to light how many of our own community members or neighbors may be struggling with needing a kidney Absolutely. or 
needing these things that you wouldn't I don't know what you think a, like someone a kidney recipient should look like right, right. like it doesn't that you don't right. walk around with it on your forehead yeah. so it could be a number of reasons mm-hmm. and it could be anyone in your community in your church in your Absolutely. school and whatever it may be yeah I've been shocked when I've talked to people about this Almost every time I start talking about it with somebody, they're going to say, oh, well, I know somebody who did this, or I know somebody who had a transplant. Um, so it's been shocking to see that there, it's more. it happens more frequently than you, you can imagine. So from what you know, mm-hmm. all seven went well. All yes. seven surgeries went well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you been able to connect with Coach Davis after? Yes, we've talked several times. We've talked to his wife. Um, I, you know, I'm assuming that they're – they have to be a little bit more cautious as far as yeah. the people they're around right now just because of all the drugs that they're on with, you know, um, you know, the rejection drugs and all that kind of stuff. They're just wanting to make sure they stay well for several weeks. Um, you know, for me, it's just, you know, just be careful post-surgery and all that kind of stuff. But I've spoken with him and his wife, and I've also spoken with my recipient and his wife several times. And they're doing great. And, you know, I got a text about... I don't know, seven to 10 days after surgery that from my recipient's wife that said that um, dialysis equipment had been picked up and taken back to where it belonged. Which I read where, and if you don't understand how dialysis works or if you never had a loved one or yourself been on it, that is like a cage Mm -hmm. that they have to live and be Mm -hmm. strapped to. I mean, it's life-giving, so they're grateful for it. Either going two, three times a week to the actual clinic or now even having, and I say a luxury with like, uh, with the deepest respect of being able to have the equipment within the home because it's still not a luxury to have to go through, you know, dialysis. So to have the freedom that Mm -hmm. comes with just being able to not organize your day around yeah. around that is yeah. just as an incredible gift. And I didn't realize that um, when I spoke with Coach Davis after we finally were like, "Can I talk to you? Can you? Can we? Can we talk about this?" I did not realize what he was going through every day when he left school, and especially like during football season when they're practicing to six six thirty at night. He's gathering his stuff, going home, spending time with his wife, eating dinner, and then he's four to five hours sitting attached to a machine and has to get up the next morning and do it all over again to, you know with his old with his schedule do you happen to know how many are on the um, list the donor list for kidney in mississippi and not in mississippi i know nationwide is only it's like a hundred thousand people so honestly you bring more awareness to being a, a kidney donor then um, we could really clear that list quickly and that's what we're trying to do today with leah cox story and we've got more for you coming up next So lonely, baby, baby. Well, they're so lonely. They'll be so lonely, they could die. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome 
that's a good thing. Don't forget you can find us on your computer or your mobile device. Just go to Super Talk TV. You can also catch us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Or you can always find us, too, streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're finishing up our wonderful story with Leah Cox. She's a living organ donor. And she was the missing link for seven individuals to get the kidney that they needed to continue to live, which means there had to be six other donors, right? right. Math is hard, Leah. It's on a Monday. (laughs) But that means that at least seven people came forward at one point or time and was willing to give the gift of life through being a living uh, organ donor. You didn't know much about what that role meant prior to Mm -hmm. knowing Coach Davis's need and story. Now, being on the other side, four weeks post-nop, looking beautiful, looking like you you hadn't done anything. I know you're probably not going to go run a marathon or anything, (laughs) but what would you say about your experience as being the one as the living donor? Um, It has truly been a joyful experience for me. just making that decision to do that and the the surgery and the recovery has been it has been really easy i mean there have been some moments and i'm like oh my gosh you know my back's hurting or you know an incision was kind of real tender but other than that i've had other surgeries that have been worse you know having a c-section was far worse than having this um and so for me it's just been it's been an easier recovery than i expected honestly um but just to know to be part of such an incredible journey um incredible calling i feel like on my life to come forward to help um coach davis and to help you know jason smith who was the recipient for me um it's just it just has blown my mind how rare is it for a seven swap to happen what's the first 14 or whatever yeah it's so it's um it's the first at umc um i think nationally there have been some other hospitals that have done larger mainly utilizing the national registry um but all of this was done um at UMC through the UMC registry list and all the donors were from Mississippi. So it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And to me, divine intervention keeps coming back. I know you're Mm -hmm. definitely a deep woman of faith. Did everyone feel that way? How can you deny that? Did you feel like that was also an opportunity to sort of share your faith in how this story has unfolded? Absolutely. Coach Davis and I both, um, when we finally were able to really talk with each other about everything, um, you know, we didn't know going forward. This was probably in September when we talked. We were like, I don't think we really understood the magnitude of how big this was going to be. And um, we just realized we have a story. He and I have a story. But we want to share the the big picture story, and that is the the providential plan of God in every one of our lives, and how it all has come together for you know the fourteen of us that were part of this, and just for the the transplant team and how amazing they were, and that they get to see just the hand of God through it all. And I truly, I mean, we walked hand in hand with all of them, and they firmly believe the same thing. And now you get the opportunity to sort of share your story and bring awareness, which right. I think is a big piece uh, to all of this. Just like, you know, not everybody's called to do everything, mm-hmm. but I feel like you immediately, when you heard Coach Davis's need for a kidney, something sparked in you. Right. And I wonder how many have had that spark, but mm-hmm. then fear kind of, you know, right. diminished it. And there's some that have never had the spark. And it's right. like, oh, what spark you're talking about? I don't have that. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, and I'm like, that's fine. You know, I mean, obviously, yes. to each his own, but there's, I feel like there are maybe more that was curious but yet fearful at the same time Mm -hmm. so for those that may feel like man i feel like i could do that or i would love to to you know to be able to to be part of someone's story but i'm just just simply scared of the unknown Mm -hmm. what is another what's a good next step for that um, you know, just to have an awareness to, and also to see that um, being a living kidney donor 
is actually really easy. Um, there are, you know, there's some processes that you have to go through, of course, with the um, local hospital that um, whether it's here or, you know, if you've got family member in another state or whatever, or a friend. Um, I know two of the, well, one of the altruistic donors that gave um, was influenced because a co-worker of his received a kidney. And he came forward and said, you know what, I can do the same thing. And so for me, I'm like, you know, I, sometimes I, I tell people all the time, I said, I think the Lord gives some of his strongest warriors the hardest battles but for me i think i think he gives me things to do just because i have a loud mouth and i'm like i'm going to make sure people know that what i'm walking through and what i've been through and that there's greater good in it and um you know just to let people know that hey this is an easy process and if you are the least bit have one bit of question about doing it reach out to the transplant center um at umc and they can walk you through that process um because you may not be a fit you may not quite qualify for any of it and then it's like you did your due diligence you knew and you know go have a seat and then you can at least i think it's at least getting more information they're not going to strap you to the table the first time you (laughs) know well that's the thing they're like it is your choice up until the moment that we give you anesthesia if you look at us right before anesthesia and say i don't think i can do this then we just stop you know it's you know once there's never a time that you've signed on the dotted line that they're going to hold you to that you know it's up until the moment of surgery um and you can come forward as a donor and you may sit there as a donor for many years you know it's a um it's a web of information out there that they have to continue to match up with you know recipients and donors and everything but you know for people i think right now for me it's like i just want to get the awareness out there that there are still people out there that need kidneys and you might could might can really help change the trajectory of their life and it's an easy easy thing for you as a donor my quality of life will not change um there is a very slight 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 chance of some maybe health issues 30 years down the road but at that point in time i'm like i'm in my late 70s anyway who knows if that's what caused it or not but um it's worth every it's worth every bit of just gathering information and just really thinking about it and praying about it and seeing you know what where you go with it and where you go with it would be, you said the at UMC um, for the transplant at the transplant team. So you could just call mm-hmm. there. Don't call Mora because that's right. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you call calling Mora, it's not looking good for you. Um, <laughs> Which they do a wonderful work. Too, they do. And, they do. And I think um, I think organ donation is just something when nobody wants to like really talk. The living donor definitely has a better ring to it. Mm-hmm. But I definitely understand where it can just feel like you don't want to think about it because that makes you come to grips with your own mortality. Right. But the truth is with the living part if you do feel like this is something you could be called to there is someone faced with their mortality that's right who you know could sort of uh, use that you mentioned nationally a hundred thousand which mm-hmm. feels like a lot but you got really starry-eyed that that's not a whole lot Mm-mm. so we no. we collectively like that could be really reduced big time big time yeah i mean consider how many people we have in the united states you know i mean that can be reduced quickly What's your full recovery like time? Did they say before you you could go back for like a light or a run? Um, six weeks. So oh. yeah. So I mean, and she said, my doctor said, you know, when you come in for your four week, really five week post op, she's like, I mean, if you're feeling great, she's like, I'm gonna give you release you to do what you feel like you can. Just pay attention to your body. Just pay attention to your body and pay attention to the things around you and also pay attention to what's stirring inside of you. I saw where you live by motto, um, Leah, which is sort of follow the peace. What does that mean? 
Well, you know, for me, it's just find the peace in my life, find the, the decisions that I need to make. And if they're, you're faced with a decision that needs to be made and you've got questions and everything, is find the peace where you feel the peace the most and then just follow it because it's not going to it's not going to mislead you. And that was one of the things in, in this situation when I went forward to find out if I was a match. From the time that I started doing lab work, there was a complete peace. And there was never a time when I thought, okay, I'm real fearful here. Because I'm like, I followed the peace. And in in the peace, most of the time, is his presence. And that's just kind of where I wanted to dwell. And, um, you know, I was celebrating. I was so excited. Morning of my surgery, I was like, okay, this is it. And, you know, I had a dear friend that was with me at the hospital and my husband. And they were both like, Oh, this is it. Here we go. You know, and I mean, and I'm the one that was going under to have surgery done. I was like, let's do this. You know, how long does the surgery last? Um, about two hours for the donors. I'm not real sure for the recipients. It's probably them. different yeah. depending on on the situation. Yeah. Well, it's it's more. Um, it happens more often than you think. Someone texted in that said they were a kidney tran. They had a kidney transplant back in April of 2023. And they received one from a coworker or friend that they had met five years wow. prior and that they are dialysis free for for nine months, which, you know, you just yeah. recognize. And you think about the crazy story, too, is of the people who wear the T-shirt, need a kidney walking mm-hmm. through Disney. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. you know, you never yeah. know where those sort of matches um, line up and to think what all it took to get these 14 Mississippians yeah. at the right place at the right time with sure. the right I don't know, in innards, DNAs, yeah. and all the blood thingies, and all this <laughs> Absolutely. just sort of line up and then all say yes. I think it's a it's a wonderful story yeah. that just goes to show Mississippians are always helping out each other. That's right. You know, you That's need right. a cup of sugar, you need I a know. kidney, whatever you need. <laughs> We're definitely, yeah. Yeah. definitely here for you. All right, Leah, well, I appreciate well, your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, sharing your story. I hope if anyone felt uh, the urge or just felt more curious about being a living organ donor, that they go and look into to it um, if you need a kidney then hang in there right like hopefully somebody will be encouraged to step up a sort of step forward and even if you're not a match keep open that it could be the whole swappy Rui that's right sort of thing so we can all play our part in making sure everyone who needs a kidney uh, gets a kidney so happy new year happy new year to you thanks again all right you guys stick with this we got a birthday to celebrate coming up next I don't want to be a tiger Cause tigers play too rough I don't want to be a lion Cause lions ain't the kind you love enough Cause your teddy bear Put a chain around my neck And leave me anywhere Let me be all Oh, let me be, oh, let it be your teddy bear. I just want to be your teddy bear. Upbeat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back to Good Things. Wishing the king himself, Elvis Presley, a happy birthday. Would have been 89 today. 89 years young and still 
We're talking about him in 2024. I almost said it. 20. How many of you have messed up the year yet? Who nobody writes checks anymore? So that's out the wise. used to really screw up checks, get all the way down, and then go to put the date on it and be like, ah, I messed it up. But if you do have to do dates in any of your daily work, it takes a little while to get used to the little little four. I can't tell you how many times I've still write December. It's, like, it's not December, Rebecca. It's it's January. We oh, completely yeah. sort of moved over. We're but in the second week of it now. We're in the second week of it now. But going back to the King's birthday, you've done a great job today um, playing um, all, or not all, but I think unique songs. You know, you have those that you automatically think of when you think of Elvis, but like he had more than just his top hits. He had a lot more music that I think a lot of folks haven't had the good pleasure of hearing or enjoying over the over the times. You could probably listen. I don't know how many albums he had, but for a long time. I know he had over 150 different albums and singles that were certified at least gold. I wish back in... They had movies back in his day. Yeah, he was in them. So <laughs> he was in a few of them. If he would have pulled a Taylor Swift and did a movie of one of his concerts, I don't know if they would have been as same. I wonder if he would have beat. And I know it all had to have changed because of inflation. All I mean, he had TV specials. But he had TV specials. But still, I wonder if he could have broke box offices with young ladies and girls going to see that couldn't make it to his... Um, concerts. Well, like considering that. he never performed outside of North America, I think even if it didn't do well enough in America, the worldwide box office to see a concert <gasps> yes. would have been huge. Would have been huge. So, you know, based on no scientific evidence or research at all, we believe here at Good Things that Elvis would have knocked Swifty off her. <laughs> Her high horse, and he would have won was the he Golden had more Globe. Than 12 songs. He would, he would have won the Golden Globe last night for I can't remember what she was up for. Doesn't matter, but he'd won. We just go on and just accept that as as fact. Derek and Greenwood said Elvis singing "Never Been to Spain" is excellent. I share this fact. I think every time we celebrate him, but that was my very first CD. I remember getting um, the it was not a it was not a Waltman, but it was the CD like Waltman, I can't the Discman, remember, Discman. And with the little headphones and all. And so my very first CD was the um, Elvis Greatest Hits. And my parents had bought it for me. So that was my very the first The number one CD. album? Probably, yeah. I don't. It was, I can see the cover, but I don't remember what it said. Did it have a gold cover on it? Yes. Yeah. That was it. And played it. And then obviously I Not added to be confused to with the Beatles number one that was red with a yellow one. No, my parents didn't buy me Beatles. It was, it was Elvis. They felt like that was what I needed to enter into my, my music lexicon to begin with. Uh, yeah, that little thing got played and played and played. You want, I wonder where, I don't know where all my CDs went of all the moves. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, where where did they all go? I mean, they were in the little CD flap that were, was over my visor there in my car forever. And then you put them somewhere. And then, I was going to say, they're probably still in that, and that is now stuck somewhere. Right. Like, And I don't know... With moves and marriages and graduations and, and all the things, you're like, where is that box? And which addict did it get stuck in? Because that would be a hoot to bring some of that out and enjoy. I think it would be enjoy. If you had a favorite Elvis song, what would it be for you? Mm, that's tough. Because there, there's so many different 
not genres, because I mean he he was a multi-genre artist. He could do something as as simple and soulful as gospel, and he's known as the king of rock and roll. And you don't usually put gospel and rock and roll in the same sentence anymore. But you should. Well, you could. I don't you know. Would. I think if I had to pick just one, it would probably be Jailhouse Rock. Just because it's it's so catchy, it's a very tight knit. They're not tight knit. It's very, it's very well written story of a song mm-hmm. that can be taken off into many different directions. And it was kind of groundbreaking in the fact that we would not have music videos without Elvis and the concept of Jailhouse Rock. Or at least not in the same vein. We would still probably have music videos. They would have come along eventually as a way to market music. But without Elvis and that iconic performance of the, the jail sales with Jailhouse Rock, I don't think we would enjoy music the same way nowadays. I appreciated his peanut butter banana sandwich. They're in live his music I do appreciate. But I enjoy that on the weekly in my home, so I appreciate him for making that famous. I don't know if he started it, but he made it famous, and I can appreciate that. So happy birthday, Elvis. All right, stick with us. you got more coming up next. you got the boys with Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at 2, but until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.